grateful for Hannah as she has kind of stepped in to help with the children while Faye and Jason are gone. So they are well cared for as they go to kids' worship today. I've been talking about discussions with skeptics. By that I mean these are discussions that Jesus has with people who do not believe he is the one. And there are lots of these discussions in the New Testament. We've dealt with only a few. I'm going to do, deal with one today and then next week. Then we're going on to a new series, the Why Jesus series. But today we go to Mark chapter 3. to Look at these skeptics who have gathered in the crowd there in the synagogue that day when Jesus is teaching. Scripture says there in verse 1, another time Jesus went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Stand in front of everyone. Then he asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. His hand was completely restored. The Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. The feelings of the Pharisees about Jesus, they've moved from surprise to curiosity to skepticism, and now they want to kill him. It's really a sad progression of events for them of attitudes toward Jesus. They just want him gone. They just want him dead. The Pharisees are the religious fundamentalists of the day. They believe the law of the prophets and the writings from the Old Testament. And they are champions. They think of the law of Moses. They want folks to follow the law. They want to purify the religion of Israel. So that the law is supreme. And now they want Jesus dead. The Herodians are the compromisers. Their name implies the political position they are taking. They believe you ought to cooperate with Herod the king, even if he is a mess, even if he is a half-Jew, even if he is morally suspect and even bankrupt. Still, he's the king, and we need to get along. So... They feel threatened. They feel like the status quo is under attack by this preacher from Galilee, this prophet 
this stranger. And so they too are ready to see him dead. Skepticism has turned to a murderous intent. You need to have a little bit of skepticism. We've mentioned how important it is not to be gullible. You don't want to believe everything you read on the internet, right? I mean, if you see it on the internet, aren't you a little skeptical? You ought to be. Some skepticism is important. Keeps you safe. Protects you from liars. And deception. But check your skepticism to see if it's turned into ill will. Your skepticism can turn into ill will. That's what happened with these men in the synagogue that day. They wish Jesus ill, and really they wish the deformed, uh, the, the man who, with the deformed hand, they wish him no good either. The enemies of Jesus know something about him that maybe his friends have not yet fully embraced. They know that having a man with a shriveled hand in the synagogue that day Jesus is going to be drawn to him and want to heal him. They know this about Jesus. In fact, the crowds have been coming to Jesus for some time, and they've been growing and growing, and more and more people have been bringing the sick and injured to Jesus. We've already read about this in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus is healing them. And when one of them cries out or one of them has a need, he turns to them and he wants to help them with their need. Jesus is, in fact, drawn to the need. And his enemies know this. And Jesus sees the man with the shriveled hand that day in the synagogue. And he is drawn to him. He wants to help him. He wants to heal him. He wants to make him whole. This is the condition of Jesus' heart. He came to help the sick. The whole people don't need a physician, but the shriveled hand, that man needs a physician. He came to call the sinners, not the righteous, to repentance. This is his call. This is his mission. And so he is focused on the need. Now the man with the shriveled hand may feel like his deformity repels good people. That good people think less of him and maybe even God thinks less of him for having this shriveled hand. Sometimes humans feel that way. They feel like their deformity, their deficiency, their disability, their failure... The things that capture them and enslave them, that these things are repugnant to God and drives God away from them. They feel isolated and rejected because of their need. You got it backwards, you see. You got it backwards. Jesus is drawn to your need. In fact, do you know where the attention of Jesus is right now? In this room, this moment, 
on the person with the shriveled hand. On the person with the need. You think your need is evidence that maybe God hasn't blessed you. Or that God's judgment has fallen upon you. But in this room with the Lord Jesus, your need is evidence that he pays special attention to you. I want you to identify your need. Is there somebody in this room with a need? If so, you're especially important to Jesus in this hour of worship. Now, the Pharisees, they might reject you. They might look at you and say, look at that person suffering the judgment of God. They may think less of you because you have this deep need in your life. But not Jesus. He's quite the opposite. I hope you'll receive this truth today and know that Jesus' attention to the man with the shriveled hand is a story for you. Say, if you're completely whole and there's not a thing wrong with you, okay, well then Jesus won't be healing you today. But if you're broken and sorrowful and hurting and in need... You're at the right place. Jesus loves those kind of people. And he loves to give them healing. The Pharisees have let their opposition to Jesus turn into ill will. They wish him dead. And they do not wish good for the man with the shriveled hand today. They wish him to leave the synagogue still shriveled and disabled. Sometimes our religious convictions, the religious truths that we hold dear, somehow steer our heart toward an ill will for those who disagree with us. If there's somebody out there with whom you disagree, and you have deep religious disagreements with them, and you have sensed that that disagreement with them is turning into an ill will toward them. Maybe you wish them gone. Maybe you wish them dead because they have a different perspective than you, and it's hard for you to tolerate that. Let me just say, you could be coming more like the Pharisees here, then like Jesus, okay? It's possible that the ill will that sprung up in your heart makes you more like his enemies than his friends. You ought to watch that attitude in you. See, See, these Pharisees think they are keeping the law. They are seeking to be pure. They are seeking to be right. They are defenders of the truth. You should not heal people on the Sabbath day. It's against the law. It's against the Ten Commandments. They feel it very deeply, and they have allowed that so to taint their soul that they no longer love their neighbor as themselves. They're not acting in love. They're acting in hate. We can all agree with that right? 
that wishing Jesus to be dead is an attitude of hate, not love. They feel like it's the will of God. Jesus ought to be dead. He's breaking a law. Surely God would want it. They've turned the purpose and plan of God inside out, and they got it completely backwards. If skepticism turns into ill will, it is no longer evidence of the Spirit of God in you. Jesus taught us where to love our enemies, and he demonstrates it all over the Scripture. That's who we are to be. The Pharisees want it right. They want it now. They want it stopped. They want the law to prevail. And Jesus has come full of grace and truth. And if you will be overflowing with grace and truth for those with whom you disagree, full of grace as well as truth, you will be like the Savior who bought you and who is your Lord. And if you allow hatred to fester in your heart toward those who are different from you, who have a different religious perspective, you will be displaying something of the attitude of his enemies. Check your skepticism for ill will. And check your skepticism for stubbornness. Got any stubbornness in you? Jesus looks around at them in anger. Jesus isn't angry too many times in the Bible, all right? But he gets angry here. He is deeply distressed. Don't you want to know why Jesus is deeply distressed? This is powerful language. Jesus is angry and deeply distressed. Jesus, what are you angry and deeply distressed about? I don't want to make that mistake, do you? He's he's angry and he's deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Their stubborn hearts. They have stubborn hearts. Maybe that's a disease only Pharisees get. I hope so. I don't want that disease. I don't want Jesus looking at me deeply distressed at me. So what's this stubborn heart about? Well, the word stubborn is sometimes translated hardened. In the old King James Version, it says the hardness of their hearts, their hardened hearts. You bought me that beautiful guitar on my 20th anniversary, and I picked up the guitar, and I've played it more since then than I played it in many years. But I had a syndrome that happens to me when you pick up the guitar after many years of neglect. You know what it is? It hurts your fingers to play. It hurts your fingers. I was up there with my brother singing to a church, playing that guitar, and I thought, man, these fingers hurt. I am hurting And why? Because when I used it every day all the time and I was playing with it a lot, I had calluses on the tips of my fingers. Do you know the word stubborn could be translated calloused? It refers to the calluses that build up on those places to protect you from the pain. 
Now, you can have a calloused fingertip and you can have a calloused heart. Which do you want? You want a calloused heart? Jesus was angry and deeply distressed at their calloused, stubborn hearts. You know what happens when you get calluses on the tips of your fingers? You cannot feel as well. You can't feel as well. No, the strings don't hurt your fingers anymore. But now you've got calluses covering those nerve endings. You cannot feel as well. They think they're being so logical, so intellectual. They're just following the argument. He should not be healing on the Sabbath day. What's he doing? This man can be healed some other day. This man's breaking the law. They think they're being so logical and intellectual, and they have lost a source of information that they desperately need because their hearts are hard. There's information that comes from my fingertip to my brain, and I need that information because if I hurt myself, it tells me through the pain, and it's information that I need. The heart is not only the center of emotion, it is the center of intellect in the Hebrew vocabulary. You think with your heart as well as feel with it. And feeling is part of what you need to process the world accurately. And when your heart is callous, you're not only not feeling very well, you're not thinking very well. You're a skeptic who's become stubborn. And the stubbornness is keeping you from understanding. It's blocking information that you need to receive. It is warping your view of the world. That calloused heart of yours may be there because you've been hurt, you've been wounded, and you thought, if I put a callous on my heart, if I just make my heart cold and hard, then I won't get hurt anymore. And when you do that, you separate yourself from the life God intends for you and withhold from your mind and soul information that needs to be provided by the sensitivity of your heart. Check your skepticism for stubbornness. These men will witness a most amazing miracle that day. It's not like the feeding of the 5,000 where they're saying, okay, we're, the bread and fish, I mean, he fed all this. Where did it all come from? It's, it doesn't seem to be it's a hand that is shriveled up and the man is standing there in the middle in front of them all at Jesus' request. And when Jesus says, stretch out your hand, the miracle happens right there in front of them. And they leave that place wanting to kill him, not call him Lord. What happened to these people? It's a stubborn heart. They're not going to believe. They will not believe no matter what happens in the synagogue that day. They refuse to believe in Jesus despite the evidence that they see. You know, sometimes when you trace skepticism back, 
you end up at a place of moral failure where somebody stumbled badly, participated in destructive behavior to himself or others. And that moral failure occurred. If you trace skepticism back, sometimes you come back to a habit that we know is self-destructive, but we dearly love. And we do not want to surrender our lives, not only to Jesus, but to anybody else, because our life belongs to that habit of heart and soul and spirit, even though we know it's destructive. Even though we know it hurts us, we hang on to it and we will not call Jesus Lord because we know it means letting it go. So the Pharisees came that day to the synagogue with their hearts so hard, nothing could penetrate it. Check your skepticism for stubbornness and check your skepticism for blindness. Jesus has two questions for the Pharisees. They're simple questions, okay? He calls the man to the middle. The man never wanted to be there, but Jesus puts him right in the middle of the synagogue. He liked to stay in the shadows. He didn't want to be the center of attention. Jesus says, stand up in front of everyone right here. And then he looks around and he asks this question. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do ill? Good or evil, what should you do on the Sabbath? That's an easy answer, right? What should you do? Good. Okay. So the answer to the first question is, you ought to do good on the Sabbath, not evil. The second question is, should you save life or kill? Well, what do you think? You save life. You don't kill on the Sabbath. Jesus has these two simple questions that have obvious answers for them. What should you do? And the answer is you ought to do good on the Sabbath. And you ought to save life. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he loves doing it. It is his mission on earth. So the answer to the question is just what he intends to do and loves to do. So he calls the man to the middle and he says to the man who didn't want to be in the middle in the first place, who feels awkward in the limelight, he gives him one request and it's the one thing this man cannot do. He says, stretch out your hand. By definition, he cannot stretch out his hand. He can walk, he can talk, he can wave, he can do a lot of things. But one thing in life he cannot do is stretch out that hand. Jesus speaks to him the impossible command. And you have something in your life that you feel is impossible. Something that's held you something that's got a hold on you, something that's put its roots down in you, an attitude, an action, a habit. And it's the one thing when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you get into the place of worship, it's the one thing. 
and the other stuff you can handle, but this thing, and Jesus who sees your need and loves you in your need, loves you despite the pain and trouble that you have, Jesus who sees you right now just like you are, he has a word for you. It's the one thing you cannot do. It's the impossible thing for you. Stretch out your hand. How does this man stretch out his hand? In the presence of Jesus, I believe this man looks at Jesus and Jesus looks at him. And there's one thing he wants to do in that moment more than any else. He wants to stretch out his hand. And he moves his hand in faith in Jesus and his hand that withered hand it is completely restored the color is back the shape is back the size is back it is completely restored that's what Jesus came to do We read the story and we think, oh, I'm sure glad I don't have a shriveled hand that I carry around all day and everybody looks at me and they pass me in the mall and there's my shriveled hand. I'm so self-conscious about, you know, I'm so glad I'm not like that. And the truth is, we all have a shriveled hand. Some of us hide it very well, but it's there. It's a besetting sin. It's the sin that chases you, that keeps you down. It's the habit you can't shake. It's a difficulty in your life that is your deepest need. And Jesus comes today to this worship place knowing your need and ready to say, stretch out your hand. It's why he came. It's his purpose. And if you have a need like I've described, and you can identify with a man that day, spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, Jesus is the healer, ready to speak the word to you, to call the sick to himself, to call the sinner to himself. For he is the answer to the need of your life. Bow with me, please. Perhaps you've been skeptical and you know deep down it's because you don't want to surrender control to anyone. And you know if you do surrender control to Jesus, he will change your life and some things are going to have to go. And so you're holding on. And maybe this is the moment for you to realize that everything you treasure above Jesus is just another chain on your life. Another prison to live in. And that if Christ sets you free, you will be free indeed. So I call you 
and challenge you to confess your sin, to repent, to receive Jesus, to receive his forgiveness, to receive him as Lord of life. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here today. Thank you for your presence in this worship center. Thank you for your power to heal and help us. Lord, we come with our infirmities, our sicknesses, our diseases, our troubles, our addictions, our anxieties, our fears. We ask for your help. Lord, would you be the healer today in us? I pray for that one who is most needy in this room, who is closest to despair. Lord, would you speak your word to that person and give them the liberation that only you provide. Lord, we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.